0: Drive-By Cinema Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun Welcome back. Series 3, episode 26 of Drive-By Cinema with me,
1: Rick, and my co-host, Paul Paul, yeah, floating on a cloud of beatific happiness
0: The podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. Certainly don't have to. And Paul, the man with the big gain. All the
1: gains. (laughs) Words that never been said in conjunction with me.
0: Yes. Uh, Well, Paul, Mm. I have been reflecting on things that we may have missed from last week's.
1: I have been reflecting whilst etching the days on my bedpost. Yes, Richard, go on. Sounds like some sort of Sisyphean task.
0: Decision to leave, right? Always worried that we're, you know, missing something or leaving stuff on the table.
1: Decision to leave. Remind me, that was that really scary Korean suicide thing.
0: Korean film noir. With a happy little suicide at
1: the end, yeah.
0: Falls in love with a femme fatale, a dangerous woman.
1: There's some sort of irrelevant uh, sort of teaser or some sort of... Uh, sort of intrigue going on That doesn't resolve itself Because it's all romance at the end Yeah, And what of it Richard, what of that movie I think
0: we may have missed a lot of subtle Filmmaking oh, fuck. techniques Oh, oh yeah, oh, oh, definitely Yeah, To try and Set the mood and, and oh. Reflect the plot of the story Of the, of the film uh, I watched a YouTube video by some guy Who analysed certain scenes And how things had been set up And to give you an example yeah. Because I can't remember everything he said. But just to give you an example of the level that we're talking at and the way in which we badly missed some
1: of this stuff. <laughs> Maybe. Missed or he failed to project it clearly. I mean, come on.
0: Well, I'm sure you missed it because you were probably watching on your phone screen whilst you sat in the queue for a drive through for a fast food restaurant.
1: That TV is table. egregious, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> when... <laughs>
0: When the inspector has got that lady in his interview room in the police station, yeah. Yeah, there's a scene of them sitting across the table from one another in the interview room. Yeah. And in the scene behind them, yeah. there is a large mirror, a one-way mirror, or is it a two-way mirror? Uh, anyway, a mirror that. that somebody else is on the other side of Yeah. watching proceedings, if you remember that bit. Well, we see the scene from one side of the table, looking at them, left and right, and the mirror behind them. Now, if you did that, if you were making a film that way, clearly the mirror would reflect the camera and crew. Clear, clear as day, wouldn't it, in yeah. the reflection in the background? And it's dead square on in the film. That's how it was framed. The director obviously chose that shot, despite the fact that to pull it off, he was going to have to do something clever, some kind of compositing trick later or some kind of visual effects where they replace what's in the mirror, which would have been them, with the reflections of the two leads, right? Mm -hmm. So, very clever bit of filmmaking. Seems like a lot of effort to go to unless he was doing it for a very specific reason, right? And he clearly wanted the perfect symmetry of the inspector and her, one side of the screen and the other, and their reflections behind one side of the screen and the other. And so, okay, so you may not have realised that he was doing something far more complicated than he was going to have to do in that shot. Why was he doing that? For cinematic effect. Partly, yeah, but very specifically, this guy highlighted the fact that the focus changes. Now, obviously, if you've got people here and then people with their reflection behind, you would be able, with a camera to choose the focal plane to be on the the people here in the front or on their reflections in the back. Mm-hmm. And indeed, it does shift the focal plane from reflection to their their real selves several times in the shot. Yeah. But it also mixes it up. So sometimes both of the inspectors are in focus and she's out of focus. I see. And vice versa. Sometimes I think they're all in focus. Sometimes just one of them, I think, is in focus. And it's trying to say, this guy, this analyst was saying, it's representing, the reflections are like their inner selves and the real selves are, you know, what they're presenting. And whether they're in focus or not is indicating whether they're sort of simpatico with one another, whether they're, you know, connecting with one another. And the way that this focus pulls in and out for these characters shows, you know... First of all, they initially they're attracted, but maybe they're kind of doomed in the long run. It's kind of playing that story out in a very subtle way that I certainly did not notice. But as
1: as as a conjecture, sure. I mean, I think it's a bit of a stretch to know that that's what the to you know take to, the to, to interpretation and say, well, that's what the director meant to do there. I mean,
0: but also remember throughout the film, the inspector is using eye drops. It's like a constant thing. It's yes. tick. He's putting eye eyedrops in all the time. What is that saying? It's something to do with him wanting to see the world in a particular way, to see it from a certain point of view. Does it a big focus on eyes, in fact. Like even the dead guy, he looks at it, at his eyes. You, you see his eyes quite closely. So there is this whole thing about perceiving and seeing images in particular ways. It's, 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 we, we both did comment on how there's a mastery of the visual art in that film. Oh, definitely. Imagery, yeah. yeah. And I think there's a subtler level of things going on in that film that we gave it so credit it's, for.
1: It's worth a revisit, is what you're saying.
0: Oh, well, you know. Look, I get that you didn't enjoy it. It's not a particularly upbeat film. But hmm. uh, contrast that with this week's film, for example. By
1: enjoy, by enjoy, I mean productive. Produ- a sense of productive use of time. I didn't find it was, one, well, it's not enjoyable in, that, in, in a simple sense, is it? But I didn't find it satisfying and innovating fully. I just was left feeling a little bit kind of wanting it to try to say something more. But what you're saying is it was saying more just in a subtle, contextual, visual language that I wasn't aware of.
0: It completely went over our heads. Just like, you know, <laughs> mosquito
1: frequencies that only the young can hear. <laughs> so worth a revisit like a McDonald's drive through Which is that what you're saying? I, I know you don't like media that requires a revisit.
0: I never said that. You did. But when we talked about Tenet, which is another of these films I keep thinking different,
1: different, different issue.
0: Speaking of things we keep revisiting,
1: yeah,
0: another thing I found out probably by watching YouTube as well this week Hmm. is something else to do with intellectual property. Okay, and this time it's to do with patents, and it's pertinent because it affects the very industry that we are talking about on this podcast. So all the modern films that we've been watching have generally been filmed digitally. And cinemas these days are digital. Anyway, distribution is digital. But actually making the film um, has just been coming into the digital age in the last sort of decade or so, hasn't it? Yeah, I think one of the first films to do it was probably the new Star Wars movies, but it's become pretty much uh, normal.
1: It's only recently the digital... Recording has kind of matched celluloid recording, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And now surpasses, I think, quite easily. But.
0: Well, I think that's arguable, isn't it? Because, mm. I mean, depending on the grain of the film, you could achieve mm. very sharp image, can't you? But, yeah, probably. Probably, ultimately, it will do. Um, one of the first companies to, to deliver, you know, um, at sort of, movie industry standard cameras for digital movie recording. It was called RED. And they made quite a few of the first cameras that got used for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They've taken out a particular patent in their industry, which pretty much is blocking their competitors from delivering cameras of similar quality. But their patent is, I think, excessively broad and vague which means I think they've got far too much control over this. What they took a patent out for was the concept of compressing the data mm-hmm. on a 4K or greater image. So think about How's it.' obviously that not been
1: patented before.
0: Exactly. Exactly, Paul. I mean, as you can imagine, 4K images and bigger format, a bigger resolution are very big. And professional photographers want to store it all in RAW format. That's that's a, sorry, an important part of the patent I forgot. RAW format, RAW format, as you may or may not know, it's a way of recording the data from the sensor chip in a very unprocessed way, which means you can do lots of post-processing afterwards, like hmm. change the exposure after the fact and do other. I think you can. I think you might be able to change the depth of field and stuff as well. All kinds of clever things. Wow. But this is pretty much standard on still cameras, right? But a raw file is much bigger than a compressed file. Yeah. So you obviously need lots of disk space and stuff. Well, RED have got this patent on what is a completely obvious idea of, oh, well, we better compress it before we try to store it in a lossless way. Presumably a non-lossy format. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, a way that you can recover the original data perfectly. Ah,
1: that's maybe the where the patent resides, is it, in that, that part of the idea.
0: Well, I think that's how it got granted. Mm-hmm. But, just like your first reaction, it's pretty much impossible to imagine no one had thought of that. I mean, sure, the specific algorithm that they used, maybe you could argue that that is theirs. But... They, that's not what you get with a patent. Patent don't, doesn't cover... I mean, that would be copyright. If I were to copyright copy your code, that would mm-hmm. be a copyright issue. Patent covers like the concept, and they seem to have managed somehow to get a patent on the concept of compressing raw files over 4K or some, some such. Now, the interesting thing is they have a competitor called Blackmagic who they haven't sued... And who do have a camera that does this, because Blackmagic did it before Red did it, but they didn't patent it. Well, they probably thought you couldn't patent it. Now you could argue that if there is prior art, you shouldn't be granted a patent. Not true. Absolutely true. Oh, is it? No, it is true. I mean, I think it should be true.
1: Is it actually legally true, though?
0: I think it is. But again, for whatever reason, perhaps because they used a different algorithm or something about the way they decided to patent it it was different, they were still granted this patent. But notably, they haven't attempted to sue Blackmagic. So Blackmagic have got cameras out in the market as well. But all of the normal competitors, Panasonic, Sony, blah, 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 they haven't been able to negotiate an acceptable deal with Red, so their cameras can't
1: do it. Why don't they go to Blackmagic then?
0: Hmm. Interesting point. But I, I guess they'd be worried that Red would still come after them with the same paint. I guess Red won't go after Black Magic because it might overturn their paint. Maybe. But I, I mean, they wouldn't go to Black Magic because Black Magic don't hold a paint. I suppose. So here's an unfortunate consequence of that: the drone company DGI Yes. They make, of course, apart from consumer drones, they also make drones that get used a lot by the film industry. You know, most helicopter like overhead shots these days will be done with a drone. Much cheaper and easier than, than getting a helicopter, isn't it? Now, DJI did license the technology on their drones. I suppose Red figured that they weren't a direct competitor because they were making drones. And, you know, the industry really needs you know, a way to get data and compress data on your drones because obviously that, you know, it's a mobile camera, isn't it? So you need to be able to do that. So they licensed it to DJI. Then, then DJI came out with a camera and it's a really clever, like new concept digital camera that does things in a different way from the old fashioned kind of movie camera. It's got a built-in steadicam function and it self-levels. And it also has this really amazing focusing system that uses LiDAR to tell how far away the subject is. And it can either automatically track the focus or let you do it uh, in a really clever way and gives you a display of the focus plane and stuff. Um, So it's sort of way in advance of all of the the old world and even the new digital camera companies that kind of copied the old way of doing things in a digital format. The DJI one is really, really clever. But as soon as they came out with that, um, RED insisted that their license didn't cover normal cameras, only drone cameras. And so they got them to take out the raw image compression stuff from the DJI Ronin, I think it's called, this new camera. So it's actually holding the industry back until, I suppose, the patent runs out, which I guess is seven years, eight years. I can't remember what it is at the moment in the US. But there we go. Another reason why... Intellectual property should be, should be banned. Strong is that from Richard. <laughs> should we play the music, Paul? I seem to have, I seem to have, <laughs> seem to have shocked
1: you. Music maestro, here we go.
0: Cheers, Paul. I'm drinking drinking a very strong beer tonight. It's 9%, would you believe.
1: Is that your first, Richard, or your second? Just my first. It's not special brew, hasten to add. It's not. It looks like a very nice brew indeed. I mean, are we compressing our podcast in some sort of patented way tonight, or is it just...
0: We'll just go with the standard MP3 format, I think, Paul. MP3, is
1: Righty, okay. So, Richard, it brings us on to the main fair... At our eatery tonight. Which is the movie from 1990 called The Epoch Making Trust by Hal Hartley. Now, Paul, last week we mentioned that this was a white whale. Indeed, it was a white whale. I have another white whale. Uh, Actually, whale is just word, it's not whore, is it? White whale. I have another white whale, which I think I just mentioned to you. I can't remember what what it is. Bad influence. Okay. Bad influence. Not starring Matt Dillon, but rather starring Rob Lowe, who we don't see much of these days.
0: My but- experience with White Whales is normally pieces of music. And that only happened in an era before we had the internet and Shazam uh, and stuff like that on our phones, mm-hmm. where you'd be driving along, you'd hear something on the radio, usually on the John Peel show being played backwards or something, and you'd go, wow, you know, I really desperately want to know what that is. But, but you have... There was no RDS to tell you on FM what the track was. Whoa. And there was no way to look up on the website the playlist for that
1: radio station. Or to play the station again. On or to iPad. play it again. Yeah.
0: And so, what you know, what would you do? Yeah, the only thing you could do is keep, like, humming the tune. Or it would get in your head anyway because it would be a crazy earworm. Try and remember the lyrics and then how would you find out what that song was? How? What? listen to the radio continuously until you heard it again and someone mentioned the name. What,
1: what, what would you do? It could drive you crazy for years, that kind of stuff. But here we're seeing how mm-hmm. scarcity, scarcity and dearth actually define value, don't they? I don't know, but it drove me mad. Exactly. So, and there's value, isn't it? You had a niche that you needed to scratch, and therefore you would buy it when you saw it, if you ever saw it.
0: Well, coupled with an infuriating sales policy that record companies had, which was that they would arrange for radio play for their songs a few weeks before they actually released it, yeah that's which nice I thought know. was ridiculous. Well, it just kind of forced me to get a machine that could record you know tapes from the radio so that I could just tape it and then never buy any music on disc anyway. That was the consequence of their ridiculous marketing decision for me anyway so it's supportive of some aspects of intellectual property richard no not none at all oh okay i I, I, I ripped them off didn't i I
1: didn't yeah why not i mean i'm sure i've told you that i used to go and buy computer games tapes and then and then load them copy them and then two minutes into the beep, 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 just put a quick break with my recorder take it back to the uh the shop and say it doesn't work anymore
0: that's not intellectual property, Paul. That's theft. property.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a step up from what I did uh, down at Preston Swimming Pool, where we used to go and take one of those knitting needles and get 320p goals on the Space Invaders by sticking the knitting needle down the coin slot.
0: You could have been electrocuted.
1: You Is idiot. that true? <laughs> well, it's an electrical appliance you're shoving a knitting needle in lot of free wet afternoons on a Saturday. <laughs> well, you weren't electrocuted, so well,
0: well done. Or if I was, that then, is,
1: you know, then this is the result. But yeah, so what we're talking about, white whales, okay, Trust was a white whale of mine, as is Bad Influence, but Bad Influence, I don't think I enjoyed quite as much as I did Trust when I first saw it. So I'll it tell you what to-
0: one of my white whales was,
1: shall yeah. I? As if you care. So- I do care. When, Richard, you're when so dismissive me tonight. You've been horrible to me. <laughs> Listen, when Channel 4 nah, first cut nice. Derek back, Jarman Blue, yeah, it's crap, Richard. Channel 4, when Channel Derek 4 Jarman jubilee, put, yeah, it's crap. Go on.
0: American football on British television for Are the first time. Yeah, I was keen. I watched it. I was a fan of the Miami Dolphins because of their teal.
1: Uh, jerseys. Teal is nice, isn't it? And that nice orange that goes with it, too. Someone's got a salmon pinkiness to it. They had a theme tune on their American
0: football They did. Show. And that constantly was my white whale. My, it bugged me for like my earworm. Couldn't get it out of my head. Didn't know who it was. Didn't know how to find out. Didn't know how to find out. There's no way
1: to find out, is there?
0: No way. I managed to hear it. On the radio one time. You might singing sing car. it
1: to me during your teenage years several hundred thousand times. I, I don't know. Is it the first cut won't hurt at all? Exactly it is. Yeah. That's right. It's Richard, called... I've been on your White World journey with you. I you know I think I'm fucking Ahab. <laughs> it's it's called, called Duel.
0: Richard. Duel by or Propaganda. Duel. Uh very good. A uh, propaganda, a great, uh, great, interesting band, interesting kind of Early electro-pop band. So... So you found that um, one? I I managed to find that one. But how many more slipped through the net? I don't know. I can't remember them
1: all. Let me pull that out to the internet. Help me find it. Help me find it everywhere.
0: I once saw on TV, and this was um, probably on Johnny Ball or something. I don't know. But someone was explaining, again, when I was a kid, someone was explaining that there was a way of doing this with, like, classical music. And... Well, it well, sounds the same, is, though, doesn't it? All you do is you record whether each note is higher or lower than the last one, like a game show. Higher, higher, lower, 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 higher, higher, lower. Whoa. And then you look it up in this index, and I think it only took like seven or eight of these to identify from thousands and thousands of pieces of, uh, of work. You, just, you looked it up in this book, and it would tell you what it was.
1: Johnny Ball was pretty, pretty, pretty good, wasn't it? Okay, but I think we are digressing somewhat. We're overdue to talk about Trust,
0: 1990, by Hal Harley. 1990, it's the end, it's the the swan song of the 80s. And I guess this film is made in the 80s, published in 1990 kind of thing. But it's very 80s, but also...
1: But also not 80s, also 90s. It's also running up in the buffers of the 80s. It is. It's the the, the the the, tumbleweed... It's the tumbleweed... Rolled out of the '80s town, With the literal detritus, and litter of the '80s scattered and haphazardly blown around. Definitely, I mean, there's such an '80s vibe, but there's such a, a new era vibe about this movie, isn't there? Okay, there's lots of things about it. Okay, there's at its heart, I think there's a, a kind of weird '80s '90s mash of. Lack, not lack of sincerity but a certain detached detachment from the horrible realities of life. Like almost beginning sort of proto slacker, I think.
0: By the way, I know we had to struggle to watch this a little
1: bit, Paul. Well I mean I, I found
0: it no trouble. I did. You apparently couldn't do it until you joined my
1: watch party. it was all just attention seeking, Richard.
0: After I paid for it for a second Didn't? time. And I think you've paid for it as well, so we've actually paid for this at least. I feel like three I paid times. as much as you, though. I think I only paid two ninety nine. Yeah, but you didn't get to watch it, Paul. So it wasn't oh. great value, was it?
1: No, I did get to watch it because you paid for it for me. Thank you.
0: Well, listener Jolian pointed out, yeah, that he has this on VHS. Does it recorded they? from the television, presumably in the early nineties? Whoa. But the thing is, we have no means of. I certainly have no means of watching a VHS cassette anymore. Whoa. I don't think you do. And even if we did, I think we would find it is unwatchably bad on VHS quality. Of if you've ever tried to see anything on VHS recently, the quality is terrible. Would it's you like want the painting. music
1: and the old audio to be any higher quality than on VHS? <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the music's a sore point in this movie, isn't it? it I know this, you're not my music Richard, but I think I could do a better job than some of this. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a Bon Tempe organ. It's a very synth-forward kind of Put on the sound. worst kind of flute, flute three or flute four kind of thing, or oboe two kind of thing. And the, there's, there's an attempt a, at syncopation that isn't syncopation with classical It's a little overtones. bit up in the mix, that's all I would say. Yeah. Just, you know, take it down It's brave. A bit, you know. It's brave. Some of the actual original songs are okay. I love yes, the intro song. the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, the soundtrack itself, as opposed to the original music, is pretty epochal. Yeah, it kind of
0: suckered you in a bit, doesn't it? At the start of the film, our heroine, for that she is, I think, is a girl asking her parents for money. I think she wants $5 for something. Played by Adrian Shelley, who tragically, I don't know if you know this about Paul. She was murdered in 2006. Whoa. By some kind of home invader. Home invader came in and, and killed her. Had she been retired at that point? Had she gone away from I don't think so. Because she would have only been... When she did this film, she was... 24, yeah. So she would only have been, you know, in her mid-30s. So no reason to... Unless she was, you know, getting married and stopping working. But sad. Sad, yeah. She does a good job in this film as well. It's fair to say. And she's explaining that she's pregnant. To her family. And her dad is furious at this and says that she's not welcome here, throws her out of the house. And she slaps him in (laughs) frustration and anger and upset,
1: (laughs) storms out. And as she storms out, he drops dead. He drops dead. No, this drops. movie is billed as hilarious. I didn't often <laughs> get hilarious. I did get no. like, wryly humorous and darkly humorous at times. But I, I, there was one funny, funny moment where they're waiting for some guy in a suit to turn up at the train station, and lots of curious guys all dressed in the same way kind of stare at them in formation. I
0: mean, that was slapstick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: it's got a little bit of a tone problem, doesn't it? Yeah. The tagline is a slightly twisted comedy. But yeah I mean
1: I mean if like dropping molten silver into water and seeing what shapes turn up is twisted <laughs> then slightly twisted then yes, yeah, slightly fucking twisted. Come off it. I mean it will be banned these days. There'd be a trigger warning to watching this. There's all kinds of emotional abuse, all kinds of gaslighting, all kinds of just harassment and just wrongness that I think these days you'd have to signpost you have to signpost the villains and the heroes much more clearly. It's, it's bleak. It's People bleak. get away with stuff. Yeah, it's bleak. It's nihilistic. So this is a weird thing that it's eighties nihilistic mixed with nineties nihilistic, and they're two different vibes. You know, eighties nihilism is ah, cruel. Nineties yeah. nihilistic is, is slacker. I don't care, but let's be good to each other. And it's kind of right in the middle there. You're coming out of the decade
0: of Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Heather's and Weird Science. So you've got that uh, Heather's nasty cynicism there. For definite. It's there. Heathers was two years before this. But, you know, compared to all those other crazy, zany 80s films that, you know, end in a song and stuff. Sure. Like, this is not a comedy. <laughs> this is not a comedy, no. this is. Not I mean, I know Heathers was kind of darkly humorous, but it wasn't trying to be funny, funny, funny. No, it wasn't. Um, So, th- yeah, this has got a bit of a tonal, like, shift problem to overcome. So, so yes, yeah, so apparently she's killed her father, who's already f- thrown her out. Then we get the titles, and we switch to a guy in a factory.
1: Who's our Hi. hero. Oh, sorry, not hero, because of the tone of this stuff. Who is our lead male, yeah? Our anti-hero. Anti-hero.
0: Played by a notable actor, Paul, and I called this out for you last night. So I'm Played sure you went by went, went, went. Martin Donovan. Martin Donovan. Why do we know Martin Donovan? We don't know who Martin Donovan is.
1: <laughs> he plays Matthew here.
0: He is in another of the movies that we've watched oh, fuck, no. on Drive By Cinema. All, I wonder if you can remember it.
1: All one hundred and twenty-nine <laughs> of them. I'll,
0: I'll give you a I'll give you a clue. I've already mentioned it today in the okay. Tenet. He was in Tenet He's the guy yeah. who meets him and shows him the symbol on the boat can give you a symbol and a a word. Tenet. He he was in Tenet, yeah.
1: Great actor. So Maria, as a girl, she's kind of like, she's due to become a hairdresser, basically, isn't she? She's, uh, you know, if this were Greece, she'd be in the Thunderbirds, wouldn't she? Like, you know, if it was a different era. Yeah, I'm sure you're right, yeah. Uh, So she's not bookish at all, you know. She's very much the kind of gal that would hang out with the guys. She's got a boyfriend, later on we meet, who's quarterback, you know. Uh, She's, she's, like, before cheerleaders became the But I'm a Cheerleader thing, like, she's the kind of girl that used to not bat whiskey behind the bleachers, you know, and live a fast life sitting in a boy's car that he raced, you know. But Uh, right
0: now, we're looking at this other guy, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew Slaughter, who works in a good old... A good old-fashioned American computer and monitor factory.
1: <laughs> now you were saying as we watch this in the 1990s, apparently but did they? I don't think they did. Did they? Well,
0: there was an early period of computers where, yes, I think all other Western economies had a small, Assembly. nascent
1: computer industry. I mean, I know silicon. I know chips. Chips were still made and still are made in the US. Okay, uh, but uh, I don't. Sorry, silicon wafer. Sorry, silicon wafer is still manufactured in the US. They're called fabs, aren't they? Fabs, fabs. Yeah. Uh, and This wasn't a fab because Matthew was smoking in the middle of the factory uh, as opposed to wearing uh, static-free slippers, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably best that Matthew has given given his, you know, his part of the industrial process over to the Taiwanese.
0: Matthew gets pissed off about something in his working conditions, and as a consequence, puts his manager's head in a vice <laughs> and storms out. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I suppose is funny, but you know, when I saw it the first time, I just shocking, thought, oh, isn't it? Know, it's like it's, it's like a scene in Casino, isn't it? It's H-R-O like a gangster. I there
1: with that, you know. I, I think God. a lot of this does reference, obviously, you know, Rebel Without Cause and that kind of thing. I think all that stuff was much more current and back in fashion in the late eighties. And, you know, yeah
0: he's doing like a james dean isn't he, he? Is, definitely. he's
1: got he's got the
0: loose tie on thin tie on all the time he's always wearing look
1: it. all the anti-hero behavior now we would be deeply all that macho or male oriented you know anti-hero behavior we would now just see as being you know toxic neg- negative and toxic you know he's just violent isn't he that's the problem he is. he's yeah. got he's, he's got a real temper problem
0: the girl is going to see her quarterback boyfriend who I think looks too podgy to be a quarterback he is too but podgy. you say you say quarterback is the intellectual position on the team It
1: is yeah it's for the wimp yeah No but Paul, it's, the quarterback he's is a chess a, player not an athlete
0: Rich, He just gets given the instructions doesn't he from the from from the coaching thing Okay yeah true They don't make tactical decisions Question they? They how old was ball? Matthew in
1: the movie because I mean when he played this I think uh I think Martin was about 27 28 wasn't he but see, well, I guess he's supposed to be early 20s, and he,
0: she's supposed to be 17, 17. which again is a, is a little bit dodge, isn't it? It depends. Well, it depends which state she's in. Yeah, She's mature it, 17, and he's immature. But for the like, majority of the states,
1: man. and I think they're in New York or Newark or something like that, 18 would be the age of consent. Now, you say there's a rap sheet for Matthew in this movie, but does he have underage sex with her? I don't know if he does. Well, we don't know, do we? we, don't we know. But... But these days, he certainly pursues it, doesn't he? And that might be enough in the eyes of the court.
0: Her quarterback boyfriend is not best pleased about her being pregnant, is he? So basically. This,
1: I thought, this is the stuff that's really aged. Not in a way, because I think he's he's portraying life as it is, okay, Hal Hartley. I don't think this, you know, it's comic exaggeration for the movie. But I think these, and I think he's presenting it as being toxic, most definitely, isn't he? You know, the boyfriend's reaction to, to the news of her being pregnant. Uh, but it's kind of the first moment, the first kind of moment, and there's lots of kind of intense dialogue in this movie. But the first piece of dialogue, I thought, whoa, whoa, that's so heavy. You know, the things he's saying are so poisonous.
0: He's very petulant, isn't he? He's oh, quite, awful. quite immature. Uh, but we, don't, we only see him one more time in the film, so we don't need to worry. I mean, about he's this
1: saying guy. awful things like, you know, I'm not going to get with you now. Why would I want to be with you after you've been looking after mm. that, you know, thing for six months, kind of thing? True, yeah, true. Just yeah. really, really nasty.
0: Now, Matthew, uh, Matthew, we understand why he's an angry young man because his father treats him awfully. And his father
1: would say, because he's too educated.
0: Yeah. Well, he's not. No, he's a dropout. He's a high school dropout. We know that. He, we, we learned that in the film. That he didn't Self, self-educated, education. yeah. He's certainly a smart guy, yeah. But he's got anger management problems, which
1: make him unsuitable for, well, college. And he's fallen in love with Tungsten Carbide. So what can you do then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but his, his dad abuses him at home, beats him up, Tells him to wash the bathroom and stuff like
1: that. Now, the abuse is quite sophisticated and quite psychological. It
0: is. As well as being physical.
1: Yeah. So, his father is an expert at tying in, uh, the psychological sort of intimidation of Matthew. The humiliation, the fact that Matthew daren't leave at the same time can't leave. So, it's very sophisticated on his father's, on his father's part. Really quite odious abuse that he's undertaken.
0: We learn that for some reason Matthew has a hand grenade. Presumably his father's brought it back from Korea, Korea, or not yeah. yeah.
1: Uh
0: In his possession, which comes up later, doesn't it? Quite a significant way. And yeah. uh, meanwhile, Maria is out shopping at Primark, whatever the equivalent was in 1990, for dayglow, uh, <laughs> dayglow uh, <sighs> uh, miniskirts and stuff. Was it ever Proper that fluorescent? Stuff.
1: Yeah, man. It's so fluorescent. Almost unfathomably fluorescent. But it looks good. Yeah. It's a colour like you don't think it's a real colour kind of thing. It's so, 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 so bright.
0: then she goes sensibly, I think, to the abortion clinic, where we see there's anti-abortion protesters outside, but it seems a lot easier to get an abortion in 1990, 30 years ago than it might be in a lot of states now.
1: And And the nurse pours her a whiskey. She does. The nurse is brilliant. That would Absolutely. happen in the nineteen nineties, but these days, of course, that nurse would no longer have a job. So, like, there's so- she's telling her, isn't she? She's telling you, you know, you know, do you have a boyfriend?
0: And it's like, yeah, do, But oh, I'll get the whiskey out. Here we go.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so it's like you really set me about thinking. There's so many things, you know, parental abuse towards minors that just went just completely under the radar thirty years ago. But there were so many good things also like going to the pub with your teachers or having a, having a whiskey with the nurse while she's working, that kind of we should bring back, I think.
0: Well, she also, during the conversation with the nurse, swears using the word cunt. Yes. It's a great monologue. It's a great monologue. She's explaining all about the shame of having, you know, given herself to this Does it extend to the
1: liquid, do you think?
0: Well... Almost. It, well, I did say, didn't I, that parts of this you did. film... You Shakespearean. Ah, Shakespearean. In, in their structure and the way... It's a bit particularly later that I'll come to that I thought was especially Shakespearean. Before we
1: get there, generally, it feels like a stage play, doesn't it? In the way that the dialogue yeah. is intense, intentional, and is there for a reason. And they take turns at the dialogue, just like they would do in a theatre. It's not It's not film like a movie. Okay, There's a sense of stage to it, isn't there? But yeah, during the yeah. soliloquy liquid, it's very moving. You know, she 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 says, I, "I was wondering what this boy saw in me." And she details the part of the bodies and that kind of thing. Was it this? Was it that? You know, was it my? He's C-word. seen
0: me. You know, he's seen me he's naked. Seen me. And then
1: I realized it. that's all there is of me to see. Oh yeah, okay. So first powerful monologue, and there are a couple more coming later on in the movie.
0: So she's trying to find somewhere to go because her dad has thrown her out. Her mum has thrown her out for killing her dad. <laughs> and get it, hilarious. And <laughs> <laughs> she calls her best friend, but her best friend apparently won't, doesn't want to see her.
1: That's a beautiful shot. She's in a phone booth in the middle of, you know, sort of middle America car park kind of desertification. Yeah. Okay. She's in the middle of the wasteland of America with life going on around her, the noise of traffic going around her. And, and she's so isolated, so individual. And and yet so tiny at the same time. I thought it was beautifully shot. That it really moved me. She
0: winds up outside a shop, like a drugstore, store. Do you call them? I don't know where you buy booze and stuff. She's sitting on a bench at a bus stop or something, and there's this strange woman there. Yeah, I say strange woman. Let's just say she's a woman. But this whole scene, I thought, it's is comedy. quite. I think it's quite Shakespearean because. Like, this it woman is. seems to represent something else. She like does. And then there's like the symmetry in
1: the back. They both pour their hearts out to each other and stop listening to each other.
0: That's right. That's right. And she, ask, she asks the woman for the $5. It's like a chink in the get...
1: wall, isn't it? It's, it's, it's very Shakespeareanly organized, that, yeah. the symmetry of it all.
0: Yeah, she asks the woman for $5. Yeah. And the woman who... You Know since it's sort of connected, the woman is going to hand it over, but then she thinks better of even asking for it. Uh, well, and yeah. that's when this woman spills her heart out about her own marriage. Well, they she want a kid a and they can't get one, that's right. And at this point, a woman, a young woman with a kid in a pram, turns up. So, again, you're, you're seeing these three things represented, aren't you? You've got this. Mm. Young woman with a pregnancy that she maybe doesn't want and is not wanted by her boyfriend. You've got the woman in the marriage. They want a kid, but they can't have one. And you've got a woman with, with a kid in, in the pram. It's all kind of represented. She goes inside, hoping to buy a beer
1: with this $5. I noticed and, the price of beer. She expected to get six bottles of
0: $5. Which is basically like 11 $12 now. Yeah. Okay. It seems reasonable. It's not that bad, is it? A terrible scene here. Again, another hilarious moment where this shopkeeper figures that he can get her in a back room oh, on God. the pretext that he's going to send her out the back for selling a beer underage, and then tries to get her to strip off. So she stalls him, and she lights a cigarette. This is a good scene. And as soon as it's burning nice and hot, she... Rams it in his eye yeah. and then legs it out of the shop. And as soon as she emerges from the shop, we find the woman who had the baby in the pram screaming, screaming for it, yeah. that The baby is gone, and so has the woman who was there on the bench. Put two and two together, I guess you assume that that strange woman has taken it.
1: But it takes some time for her to put those two and two together, doesn't it? I don't think she realizes straight away, does she? Uh, well, she so oh.
0: realised quicker than I did.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Because
0: this starts a little B-plot that I didn't completely understand. This why is C-plot because
1: we've got the grenade, which sorry is plot device B. Plot device B is the grenade, which has been put there. Now we've got B-plot, which is the missing baby, and the woman who gave her $5 who's now disappeared. Now, at this point,
0: with... The girl fleeing the streets and trying to find somewhere and running down a dark alleyway and stuff is the meat cute because Matthew and her meet,
1: and these two well-adjusted, cheerful people. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's been down the bar at this point, maybe getting drunk, or no, not yet.
0: No, I don't think he has yet. He's got his hand grenade with him, I think, and she discusses that with him. Uh, so they have a chat anyway, and
1: I turns out she, she needs somewhere with, to stay. He takes her back to his place.
0: Which is very trusting again, especially considering what's just happened to her. He's gone to see his dad's friend about a job in an electronic shop, a repair shop, yeah. kind of shop presumably doesn't exist anymore, where people take their defective electronic devices to get repaired.
1: The uh, Tandy and, Radio, what was it called? Is it called Tandy Radio? No, uh, Tandy. There was a Tandy. Tandy, yeah. and there was something Radio and Texas Instruments. And they're all pretty badly made, like big American whale cars of the 70s. You know, the American industry wasn't in a great place like British industry for the whole of the 70s and 80s, was it?
0: But Matthew won't repair TVs because he thinks they're the opiate of the masses. They give you cancer. And they give you cancer. Uh, but there's a queue of people outside the shop, all with broken TVs. This is another comic moment. <laughs> that I was comics, no.
1: That was actually funny because yeah. it didn't involve people, you know, suffering. Suffering great personal humiliations and affronts to their dignity kind of thing.
0: Now Maria is back in his place where she spent the night. Don't know what's happened while she spent the night there, do we, actually? But, but she's second
1: see, she's morning afterwards, you know, making herself some food, washing her clothes. She sees a headline
0: in the paper about an infant kidnapped at a bus ah, stop. And then she I, I think she two puts together. two and two together, yeah. But she does make a terrible mess. Are you supposed to be clumsy when you're pregnant? because she knocks
1: all the food on the floor. She puts her milk on the washing machine as it's rumbling away. Yeah, after, and it falls off. After the food's fallen on the floor, you'd think like after that there'd be a signal to sort of, you know, tidy your other stuff up.
0: And we know Matthew's father is a neat freak. So obviously, when he gets back and sees all of this, he slaps Matthew and she witnesses this. He's like a
1: proto-identity for the the dad in American Beauty, isn't it kind of? Thing.
0: Well, th- this is when Matthew goes to the bar and assaults the one-eyed shopkeeper
1: and also uh, tries to get off with No, Maria's he doesn't sister. try to get off with
0: her. Peg tries to get off with him. Oh. Peg is Maria's sister, her older sister, that's right. Peg. And she's married, isn't she? Divorced. Got kids, divorced.
1: I thought he was playing tough to get her. He was well, pl- he always plays tough. Oh, I think she's attracted to his stuff. Oh, so kids. he's not playing tough to get off, he's just playing tough generally.
0: I, don't think, I genuinely don't think he's interested, because he mm. had plenty of opportunities with Peg, and he didn't take... Her up on any of them, but he is very naturally kind of cool about it. I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? Of course, it's very easy to come off as cool and attractive to people you know, interested.
1: Oh, well, you, well, yes, that's true. Actually, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's nature's cruelty. There's a there's a there's a counterpart observation. A friend of mine noticed was like he women were just not attracted to him, and then he got a girlfriend. Away. Oh, yeah. And suddenly, women the sudden, yeah. are genuinely all over him. So I think there are some signals there in terms of lack, pheromones. Of, lack of availability, coupled with pheromones, that kind of gives strong social and biological cues to signal somebody's desirability and availability. It's, it's confidence versus desperation, isn't it? Is it, a Weber, is it a Weber good that we're talking about here? Goods that increase uh, in their value because they're increased in price or scarcity. It's You you can't sell discount Gucci. As soon as you discount Gucci, it becomes worthless. Yeah.
0: Well, there are plenty of people selling knockoff Gucci, Paul. As you, as you know full well. Actually, they've shut it all down on Cheatham Hill. They've shut On Cheatham Hill, where all of this all yes. the dodgy hooky goods, they've, they've been shutting it down. So goodness knows what's going to happen. You have to go to the markets, won't you? The market stalls. On, at the bar, at the bar, Maria says that Matthew's got to come to their house because she's seen what his dad's like. She doesn't want to let him go back there, and she's afraid of her mother though because obviously she kind of killed her husband. Yeah, her mother
1: said if you come back here, I'm going to kill you. I think or something like that. But they go back anyway.
0: Matthew offers to pay for her abortion
1: after a frosty reception from mum.
0: Yeah, she moves a mattress
1: uh, out of her room into a Yeah, that looked too easy. Because when I've been mattresses, it's not that easy to move mattresses.
0: Yeah, but you're moving a double mattress, aren't you? She had a single. Was it?
1: Probably. Probably. I'm oh. assuming.
0: My mattress is so heavy. I yeah. can't lift it on my own. You, you can't. can't. Literally. You can
1: kind of like lump it and make it jump 15 centimetres at a time.
0: The one time I tried, I nearly hurt
1: myself. So it's, I haven't moved it since. It's just... Always there now. I can't. It should be like a competition of the world's strongest man, shouldn't it? Because they're really moving a mattress. They're really. they're very difficult
0: to pick up. Yes, and you can't. It's too wide. It's too wobbly, You know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think we discovered something there. Instead of throwing tires over over swing swing apparatus.
0: Well, she gets. uh, There's a cute scene where she discusses. Uh, marriage and kids with a sis and a sister's friend, I think. Just really well-observed conversational stuff. She has a moment with Matthew on the landing in the evening as well, I think. So they're obviously falling for one another. They they, they might kiss at some point. She gets a job in a machine shop.
1: Well, we can talk about his rap sheet, Paul, but that's the least of it. But the least of it. But anyway, Mum accepts him, so at that point, nobody's going to prosecute him anyway. Because it does require a complainant, doesn't it? A Guardian. Okay, okay. again, that. don't take the advice for a podcast. Anyway, we'll get to his rap sheet in a sec. Well, can you make a note to get to his rap sheet? Because I'll forget to say.
0: Oh, Matthew goes off and repairs TVs against his better judgment, doesn't he, to get to get money in.
1: Uh, his dad has controlled him, again, successfully, uh, by introducing him to this job. Coerced him, yeah. Having said, you're never going to leave. And, yeah, you're good for nothing. You've quit more jobs. than you've had hot dinners, kind of thing. So, yeah, Matthew, he, I mean, this is the source of his violence, isn't it? You know, his frustration at hating being controlled and bullied by his father, but, yeah, unable to leave.
0: He has an authority problem. That's certainly, that's certainly true.
1: Yeah. Well, she's,
0: Maria's also engaged now in this, like, sort of Nancy Drew story where she's looking for this man who's the husband of the woman that she met who she thinks has stolen this infant child. And this is a bit you mentioned, the comedy moment, where she's got a description in her mind's eye about what he's wearing and the train pulls into the station
1: and all the men getting off are dressed identically,
0: <laughs> hilariously.
1: So this, I think, is where we diverge into 90s kind of, not slackerdom, but the idea that the trivial... Kind of moments in our life are significant, you know, like smell the flowers kind of moments that 90s movies started to have. I think for an 80s movie, this, this part would be irrelevant, you know, this little subplot, this, this descent into the ephemera. For an detailed, 80s movie, this subplot yeah. would be the main plot. Oh, yeah, but in a, in a whimsical, in a whimsical, yes. it's kind of fey kind of way. Whereas here, it's more about, it's a, it's a sophisticated foray into the, the details of somebody's life, isn't it? It's, it's an observation about how how life is complex, isn't it, in a sense? We're taking, we've taking we got two plots, and we've got this slightly irrelevant subplot kind of thing. You know, it's Robert Altman to the power of a half. You know, it's kind of like baby Robert Altman here, isn't it, that's going on.
0: I thought this movie maybe it's about identity. Because it's, hmm. it's like people's identity sometimes comes to them out of the blue, like crashing out of nowhere. No. Um, you know, because both of the characters here kind of mature all of a sudden, don't they? Like, they do. she goes from being a girl playing around, having a boyfriend, not being much about her actually, to being like a responsible woman. You know, trying to and to wanting this,
1: to into... educate herself.
0: Yeah, yeah, she that's right. She gets she gets a thesaurus She suddenly sort of learns think. that naive is actually pronounced naive. Naive, which Matthew helps her with. And equally, Matthew is doing on a sort of opposite journey. of... Or a similar journey, but but again, very suddenly, suddenly wants to be a father to a kid,
1: and he's transformed oh. because you know he says, you know, I respect you and I admire you, but I don't love you. For him, you know, adding trust into the equation, fine, he might admits that that equals love, doesn't it? Somewhat, somewhat unwillingly. Uh, so, uh, but what I did, what did it convince me was, you know, it's a traditional story about transformation through love, isn't it? Of uh, two people bettering each other. Uh, or making each other better, better versions of themselves. But I wasn't convinced that Matthew would fall in love with her. Or the, well, the, he movie,
0: proposes to, her the movie.
1: I didn't re, I, di- I wasn't convinced by what happened in the movie that anyone. You don't of that, think it earned that? I don't think it earned it somehow. I, you know, I couldn't see what she did apart from being captivating and beautiful, obviously, but i mysterious because she, she has a drop dead effect on men, doesn't she? Uh, she knocks. She knocks somebody guy out in the car park just by looking at him, and she thought fall, He falls over. <laughs> kind of thing. But I wasn't really. I I wasn't convinced that she was so captivating. Whereas her need for him, I thought, was more obvious. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, I I don't see what she sees in
0: him. I mean, he's like a load of red flags going off, isn't he? Yeah. He's got an anger problem.
1: Uh, you know, he's not he James Dean. People. He's terrified of his dad. You see, so he's not James Dean either, is he? Uh, he's, he's not the you know the the dashing rebel
0: he can't keep a job down because he's got these crazy rules about not working on
1: televisions and stuff I, I yeah he, he doesn't seem like a good prospect but then again that's nineties their characters hobble by reality aren't they? reality's intruding into the narrative isn't it or re- realistic representations
0: i mean there's a moment where maria's mum challenges him to. Uh, a drinking contest. Can we just say what a bitch she is?
1: I mean, she's well, almost unconsciously, unconscionably evil, isn't she?
0: Throughout but she just lost her husband, Paul, quite unexpectedly. I mean, everyone seems to realise that it was a heart attack, obviously triggered by the stress and stuff, but it wasn't really Maria's fault that, that yeah. she, she, he dropped dead when she slapped him. But again, it, it's a really unusual comedy moment in the film, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> if it is a comedy moment but her mum challenges matt to a drinking contest she hands him a bottle of whiskey she's got a gin.
1: have we said they we said they moved back to hers now yeah okay
0: they're in her her place yeah
1: she's been eager for him to get off with Peg she wants him to take her older daughter. she
0: keeps trying to convince him to go with uh, her older sister yeah. but he's not really interested in you know, he sort of says so much she's a perfectly nice woman but you know i'm not interested just a drinking competition, and says, "You know, if you lose, you know, you have to leave us alone, kind of thing." And she's set it up so she's got a bottle of water hmm. in a bottle of, in a gin, gin, yeah. and he's drinking real whiskey. So obviously, eventually, this is before
1: gin was fashionable on any side of the, any side of the Atlantic, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> obviously, Matthew passes out, and she manhandles him up the stairs. Does he get
1: to his Dr- second bottle or not? I don't think he does. Does he? He's a bit does, of a yeah. lightweight.
0: I mean, he'd already started drinking when this competition True. began. Yeah. She drops him in Peg's room in her bed. And then when Peg gets home later, in her still fashionable puffer jacket, albeit gold, uh, she says, Peg, you know, you know, go up to st- you know, go up to bed or whatever. Encourages Peg to go up. And obviously Peg gets in bed with this guy she fancies. Yeah. But he's passed out asleep. He doesn't do anything.
1: Yeah. And she then briefly when, kisses him on the cheek or on the lips, I
0: don't know. Yeah, but he doesn't respond, does he? He's just passed out. And then when Maria gets back, when Maria gets back home, her mum says, oh, I've left something in Peg's room, can you go and get it for me? And she argues it's a bit. evil. This woman is evil. Obviously, her plan is that she'll find him in there and, you know, she'll be upset with him and leave him and stuff. It doesn't really work out that way, does it?
1: Because I think they've already developed
0: trust, Trust—that's the theme of the film. Ever more so Aww. when she she manages to find the Aww. woman with the ab, with the abducted kid, convinces her to give him back. And I think Matt's dad shows up and tries to convince Matt to go home, but they have a fight in the kitchen. And Quite a good fight. It seemed like it seemed like Matt's dad and Maria's mum were
1: gonna get, yeah, going to get well. They are perfectly made for each other, aren't
0: they? But both evil. Both like, evil.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I think her mother really loves it because uh, he's wrecked her kitchen fighting with his son. She says, you know, you've broken my fridge. He says, get me a hammer and I'll fix it for you. And uh, she's never been spoken to so brusquely or so directly uh, before. Oh and, my. Yeah. <laughs> so and yeah, definite fireworks in the, elderly, uh, in the elderly section of the camp. Elderly, God. Things go to a head, don't they? After Matt's got his old job back, he
0: gets upset with him for making substandard computer products by using faulty components and uh, something snaps again, Matt's not a very good person I don't think, but Maria comes home finds that Matt's grenade is gone from where she'd hidden it uh, and she goes to the she factory and Find there's a load of emergency vehicles out there and everyone is rushing out of the factory in a panic and she walks straight in there again, trust pure trust she oh. finds him sitting there holding the grenade with the pin already pulled and the little handle thing sprung out, which is a real thing you've got to watch for with that handle. But it hasn't gone off. It hasn't gone off, no. So she, she persuades him they're going to chuck the grenade away, and they do. And they exchange a few words, and then it, it does go off. <laughs>
1: and,
0: and they're lying on the floor, you know, explaining why.
1: Prior yeah, to this, have so they done up. their little uh, outward-bound kind of... Fall back and catch me. Experiment. What was this after? Oh, the
0: trust fall. They've done the trust fall. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Was that a big thing before this movie, or did this movie make the trust fall a thing? No, I'm sure that was, was it. Always a big thing.
0: I think it was always a big thing, but I think normally you do it with more people catching than yeah. just one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, obviously Matt gets arrested, and taken off because let's just go through it. You know, he's assaulted his father, a man in a
1: bar. Uh, his okay. Slow down. Okay, what's his rap sheet? What's his rap sheet? Start from the beginning.
0: Well, there's assault of his line manager in assault the of line manager. Yeah,
1: HR would have something to say about that these days. Of his father, maybe gut punches. Uh, oh, oh, but I don't know about that. I think the court of law would say domestic, domestic. No, murder. there was there was extreme provocation.
0: The guy in the bar, the one-eyed guy, that yeah, no excuse for that. Himself. Uh, what else has he done? Potentially underage sex. Potentially,
1: women. yeah. Rumoured. Don't think a court can accept hearsay or gossip. He's
0: work. not He's not coming out for a long time, Paul, I'm going to suggest. So I don't think there's a happy ending for these two. Oh, of
1: course, and you said domestic terrorism, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, so taking a grenade, a live grenade, into a place of work filled with people. <laughs> I mean, he he'd done it as well. He'd committed suicide, let's not forget. This At the end of this comedy movie, <laughs> if the grenade had gone off as expected, he would be in pieces all over the factory floor.
1: Oh, I, I think most of us tried to commit suicide at some point, though.
0: This was your white worm. Did it live up to your expectations? It wasn't my white worm, it was a white whale. White whale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it
1: a whale or a worm? Uh, as it turned out, more of a worm, you know. I think uh, some things grow better with age. Uh, this wine hadn't soured, but it just wasn't the taste that I remembered it being. Okay. Uh, you know, I th- I th- I'm I, not sure about the tone, whether we're supposed to like these two, whether we're supposed to really despise these two, whether we're supposed to be ambivalent about particularly Matthew uh, and his behaviour, uh, and just generally, generally how we're supposed to think about them. And we expect better signposting movies these days, don't we? Um, so i think these days you're left too much to think about all the horrible things that've gone on whether just how is it and why is it being presented but more than that I, I, there's just so much violence in this movie psychological violence and emotional violence that it, it it just leaves a slightly bitter taste and there's no there's no kind of let up from it it's 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 unresolved it's resolutely bleak i think as a movie and so yes. it's just it's not difficult in, intellectually demanding you know thinking about the nature of reality you know and the nature of real urban lives. It's not real in any sense, it's movie, but at the same time, therefore you'd expect it to be some sort of dramatic counterpoint to the misery that's that's in the movie you know and there it it doesn't kind of balance itself in that way so so yeah, but I'm glad I've seen it again,
0: yeah. It's good to close the door on this chapter. But he's a terrible role model for a young man,
1: Matthew Slaughter. But you see in the nineties I'm not sure he was that terrible. That doesn't excuse it. Paul. I think in the nineties was supposed to say his father bullied him, so he's got every right to be angry, he's got every right to hit people.
0: Oh, and at least he's intellectual. At least he knows how to say naive. I don't so, know. I don't know, okay. he, he,
1: I don't know if he, I don't know really in the 90s if he was presented as being, well, you know, as emotionally awful as he is. He's, you know, he's he, he, he's, a, he's a toxic person that hurts other people, you know, and uh, he's not prepared to face that. But so, Richard, how, how did you feel about it all? Uh, first of all, I hadn't seen it before. I don't think, no I don't way. remember. It.
0: I don't remember seeing it. So it was fresh and it was really interesting as a period piece. Did you enjoy you the know, 80s, and,
1: and, 90s vibes?
0: I did, I did. We had a thing,
1: we watched it up as a party and I had to drink every time somebody said mullet. (laughs) There weren't
0: that many pure mullets, to be fair, but I was really stretching that definition, wasn't I? But, they, you know, again, it's late 80s, Paul, it's going into the 90s. -hmm. Things are just beginning. But it was, yeah, it was fun in that sense, and... But it, it did make me sort of hanker after a proper John Hughes movie, you know. You know, a Weird Science or something.
1: It's kind of meaningless. Let's, it has no storyline at all.
0: Let's discuss, Paul.
1: Yeah. Well, they say Adrian Shelley's good and she is good. He wrote this movie on the back of a postcard on a whim because they just it, finished shooting with her and he wants yes. to get her another movie.
0: And they filmed it in 11 days.
1: Yeah, for $500,000. So. Which will be, you know, a million and a half these days. So, so, I mean, she's great. She's got real Agreed. presence. Uh, Martin Donovan, excellent, I think. I thought he played his part really well to transform that, to perform anything transformative like that. So yeah, I mean, the two leads great. Uh, the mother I thought was really convincing as yes, a really nasty, nasty, nasty person. The dad I thought did well. Uh, so all in all, eight and a half. Don't know how he felt about it, Richard.
0: Oh, it's an eight or a nine. Yeah, I'll, oh. I'll go eight. I'll go eight. Okay, plot. Good. How about the plot? I thought it was pretty strong, actually. Hmm. I mean, all the misgivings we have about the characterization of Matthew and and so forth aside, not a great deal happens. That would be a criticism. No. mine. but it it is. It does have a Shakespearean mythical quality to it. It does signpost something about. The coming of age of
1: these characters i mean for yeah, me I'll give, it a, I'll give it a 7 for me it's not the characterization it's the fact that everything's presented as is without you know without huh. without, without any kind of sort of without, without much commentary yeah without much it's commentary, not taking you know. a, a position so yeah. i don't think he's necessarily trying to glorify matthew's behavior it's just the conventions of the 90s were you know this is this is kind of like an artsy movie it's about real things you've got to accept that there are going to be some difficult characters in there and they're meant to be difficult kind of thing. But you're right, the plot, there isn't much, you know. They kind of, they hang out, you know. They grow, they, they grow through difficulties together and, and, you know, there's a few things that happen with their parents. Oh, this is slightly ridiculous, a couple of ridiculous side plots. Uh, and then there's a semi-engineered ending, rather like Heathers, you know. Uh, actually very similar to Heathers in a certain sort of way. Explosives in in a busy place. Uh yeah, I would say the plot's the weakest aspect here. I'm going to score it six and a half. Uh, how about vibes? You know, 80s, 90s vibes. Because it's a retro movie now, isn't it? Yeah, period vibes. Period vibes, It's yeah. fully retro yes, now, 33 years old. Yeah, for period vibes,
0: I think you've got to give it a seven, haven't you? It's uh, All that day glow, really, it really nails it. I'm going to go higher. Oh. I'm going
1: to go eight on that.
0: I wasn't sure what Matthew's dad was doing wearing a beanie cap all the time yeah. and the dark green shirt tucked into dark overall kind of. Early Michael Stipe of... fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, very era appropriate.
1: Uh, do we have a fourth category? We're going straight to. I- I've got to say, uh, not bleeding edge, not leading edge, not cutting edge. Trailing edge, postmodernist, deconstructed vibes to it all.
0: That's a category. Yeah, as a judge, fuck me.
1: <laughs> is it Robert Altman?y Is it Cronenberg?y Is it no? You know, it's in some ways it's
0: a straight up, straight down, like kitchen sink. It is story, right? Yes, it is.
1: So you got to score um, on that. Yeah, I'll give it a five in that department. Yeah, it wasn't really anything new, was it? I don't think. I don't. It's not really artsy, is it? As such, it's not. It's all the more likable for that, I would say. But that
0: that may yeah, be. No, it's part not. Of the it's.
1: Score. I mean, I'm not sure it's something that you know in 1990 would be general audience fodder. However,
0: no, I can't imagine rushing to the cinema to see it. Yeah, exactly.
1: So on that level, I think it doesn't. So like, just as as. As a venture, if it's not aiming for a mainstream audience, but then only makes mainstream demands for so the 1990s audience, you know, people would only pay. Think, people would only pay think if it was if it was art, you know. And I don't think it stretches itself into that kind of art area. Not that, not not. That I'm saying those those areas are, those those distinctions are valid, but I'm just saying how would an audience have viewed it in 1990? How would Frazier and his brother have viewed it? They wouldn't have viewed it as an art movie, would they?
0: Do you think Hal Hartley knew that he was aiming for a slot on Channel 4, probably after after the American
1: football? Well, yeah, because I think Channel 4 (laughs) financed this. Did they? Yeah.
0: Ah, That would explain a great
1: deal. Yeah. So, you know, it definitely is in the art movie kind of direction. But I think at the same time, it's neither nor. It's quite a lightweight sort of, as you say...
0: You're right. Channel Four did help
1: finance it. Yeah. Okay. Well, who's the name of the populist satirist we're talking about? John. John. Hughes. John Hughes. Yeah. You know, it, it is quite. It is quite a lightweight kind of John Hughes-esque affair, isn't it? That is essentially, to an extent, about style, and ultimately doesn't do that. So I'm going to, have to score it a four and a half in terms of uh, seminal '90s seminal sort of art trend. Zeitgeist jumping on the train, this.
0: For an overall score of... 6.5. Hmm. I mean, I'll give it a 6. It, mm-hmm. it is good, it's interesting. It is quite bleak, ultimately, isn't it? And for, for the same reasons you marked down decision to leave, I don't think this is a classic. But there we go. We have speared your white whale, Paul, and we're hauling it aboard... For its ambergris,
1: or whatever. Ambergris. Uh, That would probably be on the beach in Ambergris, wouldn't it? Okay, but we're sinking our chops into its blubber. Okay, so Richard, it does behoove me, and I am Uh behoved, to move on to next week's movie choice. Okay, I've got two for you. Oh. Yeah? Okay. Here we go. you ready? Okay, Richard, you know, I've been choosing movies and putting movies forward somewhat selfishly for the past few weeks okay however so it you know it, it falls upon me to present two options to your good self so please listen up prick up your ears and make a choice between these two I've got Jerry and Marge go large okay which is an intriguing sort of sort of drama based on reality dramatization of the very true story of two uh, elderly retirees who spot some sort of cheap cold some sort of some sort of uh, boss level defeater, some sort of way of getting past the guards in one of the US state lotteries and run away with an unfathomable fortune. Uh huh. Okay. The second option is an animated classic. I'm told he's one, you know, the, the animated movie that you need to watch if you're going to watch one animated movie before you die. And that is Spirited Away.
0: Well, that's tricky. I think, though, Spooted Away is an astounding movie, Paul. It is, yes. Judging by the story you told about how you may or may not have seen it, I'd be fascinated to learn more. But uh-huh. honestly, I've got to go with Jerry and Marge Large. if for no other reason than it stars Brian Cranston.
1: Whoa, I don't know who the hell he is
0: of Breaking Bad
1: no way
0: he's Walter White in Breaking Bad
1: oh my so, gosh it's also brand new
0: so we're going to have to find a way of seeing that heads up paying. everybody
1: you've got to go to Amazon Prime and subscribe to Paramount for seven days and remember to subscribe if no. you watch the movie again
0: God, we'll have to buy it for ten pounds I'm okay. not buying for ten pounds Jerry and Marge go large it is next week's movie thank you for listening until the next time that's it goodbye
1: ciao for now All right. see you on the next one